Luke 5, verses 1 to 11. One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and we haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they, began, they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. The word of the Lord. Thanks, Suze. All right, let's pray. Lord, uh, teach us now. Holy Spirit, um, invade <laughs> invade our day uh, the way that you invaded these men's days. And um, I pray, Lord, that um, as they uh, followed you in that moment, Lord, that you would call our hearts to following you uh, more fully uh, right now. We love you. In your name, amen. All right, have a seat. So I'm assuming that every one of us has had at least some degree of the experience that I'm about to talk about, um, which is meeting somebody that is famous to you, like somebody that, you know, you just don't necessarily have a lot of access to normally. And um, in that experience, uh, I think most people I know who have had that experience have said one of two things. One, I met that person, and they were really different than I thought they were going to be. Or I met that person, and they're exactly uh, what I I thought that they were going to be. I was watching last night Duke in North Carolina played basketball, right? And when I was in college, I got to go to Cameron Indoor Stadium and meet Coach K and, like, spend time in the locker room with the team after the game and... Um, I'll just tell you, Coach K is exactly as intense in person as he appears to be on the sidelines. Um, I was asking him for an autograph for a friend, and I, I asked him to personalize the autograph. I said, hey, will you, will you actually sign this to my buddy? And I'll never forget, he's sitting there signing, he just looked up at me like this, and he about burned a hole into me with his eyes. And I said, no, it's, it's, it's cool, you don't even have to, you know, just... Your name's good. It's fine. I'll, I'll get out. But, you know, meeting him is like, well, who knows? You know, maybe he's like a really softy, you know, and tender guy on the inside when he's not on the court. But that wasn't the case. Um, we're meeting Jesus in this Luke series, right? And Peter, what Susie just read for us is Peter and a group of other guys are about to meet Jesus up close. Like they had seen him probably teach at this point. They had probably seen some miracles at this point. 
And they're about to get up, up close and personal uh, with, this, with this Jesus and find out, is, is this guy who we, we think he is? We kind of heard the rumors. You know, I've asked us to consider, do I worship a God of my own imagination? So just the kind of the ideas that I have about him. Do I know him really? And do I know him for who he truly is? This Jesus who says, I've come to fulfill what Isaiah prophesied about centuries earlier. The Spirit of the Lord is on me, and he's anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor, freedom for the prisoner, recovery of sight for the blind, set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. He's, he said, that's my mission, that's who I am. And, and all of what I just said, it's completely fulfilled in me. So do you want to meet me? You want to come up close? Because how I accomplish that, it's probably going to be different than you expect. And I'm going to have to do something for you that you desperately need me to do for you, which is to address not the needs that you think that you have, but the deepest needs that I know that you have, the bondage that I know that you're in, the blindness that I know that you have, a lot of which is, is expressed in your own ideas, in your own values, in your own self-rule. I've come to deal with your sin, to deal with you. I've come to do something for you, and now we see in this passage, I, I'm not just going to do something for you, I'm also going to do something through you. My mission, that, that proclaiming the good news to the poor, proclaiming freedom, recovery of sight for the blind, the oppressed free, that mission is actually going to be extended through you. It's to you and through you. So three things um, in this passage. Uh, his mission, our part, okay? You can call that catch, catch and a release, Right? Heard of catch and release fishing? Catch and a release. Secondly, uh, getting taken to the deep end of the pool. Okay? So that's what we see happen for Peter here. Peter and the rest of the guys, but Peter's kind of the representative head. Okay? So catch and release, his mission, our part, taken to the deep end of the pool, and then set free to leave. We see them leave everything at the end. And be set free to leave, okay? Clear? Good? All right. Here we go. His mission, our part, catch and a release. As we go through the rest of Luke, we're going to see this um, really clearly, that there are parts of Jesus' mission that are entirely his and his alone uh, to accomplish and to do. That'll become uh, infinitely clear, but in this moment, we see this, I mean, this is, remember, very, very early on. He's just been tempted by the devil. He just went to home, his hometown and kind of did the scroll drop moment, right, with Isaiah. And now he's off, off to the races, right? And right out the gate, before he really gets rolling, he's already calling a group of disciples to follow him which would have been rare at that time because usually the way discipleship worked was you would kind of go and listen to people and decide, hmm, I think I'll follow this guy, or hmm, I think I'll follow this guy. It didn't work where the actual master would come and say, no, you're going to follow me. So this is very, very odd just con contextually for how people chose who they were going to follow in that day. 
I mean, think about it. I mean, that's odd for us right now. Like, what if I got to come tell you what you're going to do, right? In some ways, that's what Jesus is doing. He's calling this group of people, and he's preparing this group of people who would become the apostles. Uh, hey, I'm, I'm preparing you. You're going to be my companions for this leg of the journey all the way to the cross. You won't quite get there. But I'm also doing something in, in taking you along for this part of the journey. I, I'm preparing you for being ambassadors for me when I'm gone. 2 Corinthians 5 says, if you're in Christ, the new creation, you're a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. All this is from God. He reconciles himself to us or to himself through Christ, and he gives us the ministry of reconciliation, Right? He's committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. Right? So he's taking them along on the journey and he's preparing them for when he resurrects and ascends. Now you're going to be my ambassadors. He even goes so far to say to Peter, Peter, you're going to be the rock upon which I will build my church. You've got a significant role to play because I've called you and chosen you for this. And I want to involve you in the redemptive plan that I have in the lives of other people. Right now and later. I just have to say it this clearly. He didn't have to do it this way. I mean, he's the Lord, right? He can choose to do this in any way that he wants to. He doesn't have to do it this way, but he chooses to involve them, and he chooses to involve us, and he says that that's for our own good. This is for you and for them. He's got a mission, and we have a part. So let's look at how Jesus calls these disciples, Peter in particular, uh, in this moment. It's just another day, right? It starts off there in verse 1. Go back to your text if you have your Bible in front of you. One day, I mean, it kind of has that feeling of like, just another day, right? Dun, 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 dun. Right? We're just out fishing. Jesus is standing by the lake of Gennesaret, it's the Sea of Galilee. I don't know why Luke, Luke the doctor, has to go give the official name for it. Um, sorry, that's sarcasm there. Um, the people are crowding around, right? It's just another day. It's another day for Jesus, too. He's teaching, crowding around him, listening to the Word of God. So he's, he's unpacking what he said when he talked about what he's here to do in Isaiah. They're listening to him about the kingdom of God, the Word of God. And he saw at the water's edge two boats left there by some fishermen. They're washing their nets. So they're cleaning their nets. It says later, you know, Peter infers this, we've been working hard all night. So they're, they're just cleaning their nets. Like you can kind of picture it for a second. It's like the big crowd over here, and they're kind of like off to the side, like, you know, men of the nets, like, you know, kind of catching a little bit of ear candy from Jesus. Like, what's he talking about? You know, hey, step back there, right? But they're not anticipating what's about to happen. They're, they're done for the day. Like, this is... <laughs> This would be like Jesus visiting my house at like 4.30, right? Every mom in the room knows exactly what I'm talking about right now. It's like, I'm, I'm done for today. Like, this is not when you get to like spring something on me, Jesus, right? 
They've been literally up all night fishing. Because the reason that they fished this way was they used these giant, like, thousand-pound nets that are like 100 feet plus. I mean, imagine a net as big as this room, roughly, okay? Gives you a picture. Took a lot of dudes, big, big boats. This is back-breaking work. When they finished fishing, they would have to mend those nets and, and make sure that no fish could get out tomorrow when they went fishing again. This is a ton of work. And here comes Jesus, who, remember, he's the carpenter, right? He's not the fisherman. Jesus, the carpenter, is stepping into their life in this moment after a night of no catch, and he's, he's going to do something life-changing for them. And it says there, he got into one of the boats belonging to Simon. He didn't like, hey, Simon, how's it? I'm Jesus, by the way. Uh, maybe you know me. Uh, he got into the boat. Like that, that should kind of stop us and, and, and make us think for a second that he doesn't ask. He literally, he just gets into Simon's boat, and it's, it's literally, you, you should. It's kind of like, hey, watch out when Jesus climbs into your boat. Um, because it would be the, kind of the equivalent of, um, like in a movie where someone, you know, a cost, like a police officer, someone with authority comes and takes someone's car, right? I need your car, I need your car. And what do they always say to the person? Get out, right? Except Jesus comes and he holds up his badge and he says, I need your car, stay in. Stay in the car. I don't need you to get out of the car. I don't, I don't need your boat. I'm getting into your boat and you're staying in the boat because we're going somewhere. If you're a Christian this morning, whether you know it or not, Jesus is in your boat. He has climbed in, and he's saying, I, I, I'm in there, and, and I'm in here for a reason. He's chosen you, and he's chosen you for more than just saving you from the wages of your sin, punching your like golden bus ticket to heaven. He has done that, and it's miraculous, and it's wonderful. He saved you from your sin and from death. But he's also saved you to something, not just from something. And it's this, a life now lived under his love, in his presence, with new purpose and with new direction in every area of your life. Jesus is saying, I'm on a mission. And I'm taking you along to play a part Peter, disciples, but before you're ready to get to the mission, I've got to get to you. And that's what we see happen in this story. Because again, Peter probably heard Jesus teach at this point, in all likelihood. He'd probably seen, at least heard of some of the miracles. But what we see in this story is, this wasn't just something I heard, oh man, God did this powerful thing over there, Right? This was his boat. This was his profession. This was a fish miracle for a professional fisherman. What Jesus is saying is, I'm stepping very personally into your life for you. It's intimate. It's powerful, right? He says, I have a mission, and and you're going to play a part, and i got to catch you to release you. 
And how I'm going to catch you is this, second point. I'm going to take you into the deep end of the pool. He got into one of the boats, one belonging to Simon, asked him to put out from shore. He teaches a little bit more. When he finished, he says, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. I'm taking you out there into that deep water, Peter, for you. And I'm, I'm going to show you something. I'm going to display my power in such a way, show you that I can do something that you can't. And it's going to transform your life, and it's going to change your very, the very sense of how you understand yourself in the world. I'm taking you out there for you, and then I'm going to do something through you. I'm going to take you out into deep water. I, some of, a, of our, especially our members, have heard me talk about this passage. Uh, God just keeps bringing us back to it, so maybe he just wants us to keep thinking about this. I was, I've been haunted by that phrase, deep water. I've been meditating on what does that mean? That Jesus wanted to do something in, in deep water, and water maybe that was deeper than they had been fishing all day before that. I want you to go out there where you can't touch, right? Remember in swimming, learning how to swim, it was like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of at my limit, right? And he's saying, no, 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 come on. As a parent, you remember this? Come on, I'm out here. I want you to come out here where you can't touch. There's something amazing out here, but you're going to have to trust me. Come on. I want you to come out to deeper water. Because something fruitful is out here. And, and for them, remember, I said they've been fishing all night. Part of the reason was is because those nets, they, I mean, we're not talking like microfilament sort of stuff. that You, you know, they got it today where you can fish can't see things. These are like giant rope-sized nets, right? So they fished at night because fish could see the nets during the day. So this was like... You want, anybody in here fish? You guys like to fish? Some of you like to fish. I know some of you fishermen. Fishing at like three in the afternoon in the heat of the day, no one goes fishing then. You know, you go early in the morning, you go late at night, right? This was like, hey, come on, let's go out in the heat of the day. It's the wrong time of the day. It's a fishing nightmare. You could just sense, man, this would be pointless. What for? We'll get to what they respond because they say, because you say so, we'll let down the nets. They go out, and when they had done this, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled to their partners in the boat to come help them, and they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. I love that it doesn't tell us the number of fish. I mean, there, you wouldn't believe how many commentators spend time trying to like calculate exactly how many fish. Like, he doesn't tell us. Why are you spending all this time thinking about this? We just know this. The point was is that it pushed their nets and it pushed them beyond their limit. It pushed them to a place where they, the boats were literally sinking, Right? It pushed them to a point where they may, not where they may not want to go. They maybe try to avoid the boat sinking moment, right? 
And Jesus is saying, this is what I have for you, and it's going to stretch your capacity. But what was going on in the moment, it wasn't about the fish. Peter, the disciples, they were the ones being caught in this moment. They were being caught and released into a new identity. From now on, Peter, you're going to follow me and you're going to fish for men. Jesus was calling them to follow him into not just the deep water of that moment, but if, and we'll see this in Luke, the deeper water beyond that moment, which would look like faith in him, literally leaving their boats in this moment, but leaving a lot of things physically and spiritually, leaving their comfort zones, <laughs> leaving the predictable, leaving self-sufficient lives. This was a miraculous catch of actual fish, but the fish wasn't the biggest catch. The miracle to me is they went with him. That's the miracle. Like if you do all crunch all the numbers and all the math, they, they literally believe this was 30 years worth of wages in one day. Like, I bought the right stock, right? Good day. And we don't know exactly what it meant that they left thing, everything behind, that they leave it to some guys to work it out. And that they, there's lots of speculation about all that, but it was a moment of turning because he had caught their hearts and their minds and their imaginations. He had caught them. I'm going to do something for you and then I'm going to do something through you. But i got to take you to the deep end of the pool. And the deepest end of the pool was this. Look at Peter's response. When Simon Peter saw this, all these fish, he fell at Jesus' knees and he said, Go away from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch. The catch of all the fish led to a different body of water, and it was this. It was the deep water of Peter's heart. And what did you find when you went to the deep water of Peter's heart? Shame. Go away from me, for I'm a sinful man. I mean, the boats weren't the only thing that was sinking, right? Peter fell on his knees. Boats were sinking and people were sinking. Under the weight of his sin and in the presence of the Lord and in the shame of his sin, he said, go away from me. Why? Because there's something between us and it's this, sin. And guess what? Peter's right. Peter's right. Sin is between them in that moment. But Peter doesn't understand something about the Lord that he'll come to understand later. Peter is using or maybe believing that his sin and his shame is what is going to keep the distance between two of them rather than seeing in the moment, Jesus came for my deepest need and my deepest brokenness. He came for my sin. It's why he's here. It's not what disqualifies me, go away from me, but actually qualifies me. My sin 
qualifies me for his grace. It qualifies me for his love. It qualifies me for his forgiveness. It qualifies me because I need him. I need him to do something as miraculous for me as all those fish swimming into those boats and nets. It's that bad. Peter is using his sin to distance himself. And Jesus is saying, your sin can't keep me away. It's not what disqualifies you. In fact, it's what qualifies you. You know, Peter would have to learn this lesson again. If you go to John 21, he swaps the shallow water of shame eventually in the Gospels for the deep water of pride, right? He kind of knocked it out of the park there for a little while, a couple ears off of some guards, right? And at the, end of his John, at the end of John, after he betrayed Jesus, he didn't just have sin, he sinned against Jesus, right? Because he was the one who said, I'll never, I'll never betray you. But in this time, how does Peter respond? If you go to the end of John, John 21, you'll realize it was something different. When he realized it was Jesus on the shore, he didn't say, go away from me. He jumped out of the boat and went towards Jesus. What had changed? He understood something about him who Jesus was at this point. I, I got to get close to that guy. My sin isn't what keeps me from him. In fact, it's, it, it's what qualifies me for his love, and I need to be reminded of that. When he leads us into the deep water, when he takes us out into this deep water, it always invites fear. Fear of past failure, fear of future. But our sin doesn't disqualify or dissuade Jesus. I love how much Jesus almost blows off his comment. It's literally like Jesus like, yeah, yeah, yeah. whatever, Peter. <laughs> Go away from me. Tell me what to do, right? I'm here for you. Peter, your sin wasn't an issue. Your sin, our sin, my sin isn't the issue. In fact, he's come to deal with that doesn't keep a distance between us. It's what he wants to close the distance on. And I'll encourage us, I've said this to us before in some form or fashion, it's actually your specific struggle, your specific sins, the things that you struggle with, whatever those are, it's actually how you will be able to see who God uniquely has equipped you to reach Like, all fishermen understand this. You have to figure out how to, how to read the stream, where the fish are at. Your sins, the things that you struggle with, are actually the way that you learn how to read the terrain and you see fish like you. It's literally, uh, it's like the gift of, of your go-to fly or your go-to bait. Is everybody following me with all the fish illustrations? No? When you go fishing, sometimes you can throw a lot of different things out there and no fish eat that. And then you throw out one thing and they eat it, right? What I'm saying to you is, is that some of your struggles or some of your sins or some of your habitual issues, those are the very things that God, the weaknesses that God is content with. And he's saying, that doesn't keep me from you. It's in fact the way that I want to work. My power is made perfect in your weakness, because in your weakness, you need my grace. And so it becomes the thing that you know how to fish with, right? 
Like, think about this. Self-righteous people, they don't catch anybody who's broken, do they? They don't catch me. I don't like being around people who think they're right all the time. The only thing self-righteous people catch are self-righteous people. And Jesus, he, he bunched them together in many of his rebukes as the Pharisees. People who didn't believe that they needed Jesus. Who in their pride thought, yeah, I don't, I don't need you. Jesus takes us into this deeper water because he wants to heal us of our shame. And he wants to set us free and release us like the woman at the well in John 4. You remember what happened to her? Jesus meets her at the well and he asks her for a drink. He got in her boat. We're about to go into deep water, sis. What does he do? He exposes all of her deepest failures, her shame, and yet he moves towards her. He doesn't go away. He moves towards her with love and grace and truth and compassion. And guess what happened? She went back to the town and told everybody about how Jesus engaged her in the midst of her brokenness. And many people went and came to faith just based on her testimony alone. And then some people went and actually hung out with Jesus. And many people came to faith because this woman, just like Peter, went from shame swimming in the shallows to grace casting out in the deep water. That's what happened for her. That's what we see happening for Peter. And I'm asking you this morning, where is Jesus swimming you out past your sin and your failure where you're stiff-arming him and saying, go away from me? And he's saying, no, that does not disqualify you at all. And in fact, it qualifies you. It's the best lure you have in the tackle box. I'm not trying to get rid of it. I've set you free and forgiven you from it, but it's going to be how you find the fish that you're called to fish for. He's got a mission and we're a part of it. He's going to catch us by taking us into deeper water to heal us, to heal our identities, to release us so that we are set free to leave. The very end. I could say a lot about this, but the very end, after Peter kind of tries to stiff arm the Lord with his unqualified state, then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. From now on, you'll fish for people. The, the actual Greek words there, fish for people, are two, two really unique words that are kind of mashed together. It literally means, from now on, you'll catch people alive. Like they'll be caught to life. Not you'll catch them and they'll die like you catch a fish, but they'll actually be caught and come to new life. Don't be afraid, Peter. From now on, you're going to have a different purpose and you're going to have a different focus. And we know for them, that was a unique time in redemptive history. These guys were going to be the apostles, eyewitnesses. They were unique disciples who would go on to make disciples, which if you're in Christ this morning, we're a part of that family tree. And it's powerful if you stop and think about it. Our faith in many ways is a part in God's sovereignty and how he works in and through people too. 
Our faith is a part of them saying yes in this moment. You don't even know these guys. And they said yes to Jesus. And they believed what he said when he says, I've got all the authority and I'm with you to the end of the age. Therefore, as you go, make disciples. And I know when I, I read the end there, leave everything, I'm like, geez, I can feel really guilty and ashamed. I just want us to hear and, and just consider it like this, that, that this brought a relationship focus and an intentionality to everything they did from there on out. That I, I'm, not just, I'm not just somebody who works as a doctor. I'm not just somebody who's a, a music producer. I'm not just somebody who's a teacher or who's a mom. I am those things, but, but there's a deeper reality to my life now that I've been set free from my sin, from my shame. And now every opportunity in my life, all of life is worship, right? Everything you do in word or deed, do it unto the Lord. Every chance we have, every moment we have is, is significant. It's not secular, it's sacred. Because I don't know. I don't know when a fish is going to come along and realize, oh my goodness, Lord, you've got this moment for me to step into their life. Like Philip in the Ethiopian, reading the Bible along the way, and he says, I need someone to explain this to me. Philip, okay, I can explain it to you. He's just there at the right time, right? Peter's set free to leave. And they pull their boats to shore, and they go. Following Jesus, it will mean walking away from some things. It may not be what we think it is, it may be leaving shame. Maybe that's what you need to walk away from. That my past is what defines me, and that's the true, truest truth about me. I'd suggest you don't trade it for pride, which is what most of us do. But maybe that's the boat you need to get out of, the shame boat, and play in the shame card. Because Jesus took that card right out of Peter's hand. How about leaving the familiar? my comfort zone, leaving control. If you're like me, you might, I struggle. I want control of my life. How about leaving shallow conversations? Some of you have people that you literally have the same conversation every single time you talk to them. Are you tired of that? Are you bored? How about leaving one rhythm of my life, because I, I can get into just a rhythm, right? It's kind of how I do my life. Leaving one rhythm and saying, Lord, would you start a new rhythm? Because Jesus was changing their rhythm when they walked away from these boats. Maybe that looks like actually, what would it look like for me to develop a prayer life? Maybe I don't even have one. I don't even know what prayer is. Maybe that looked like learning actually how to ask good questions. Ask a good follow-up question. Learn how to be a good listener. What is it for you? What parts of, of the pond of your life, your little Sea of Galilee, do you stay in because, because it's just what you know, because it's safe, it's predictable? What feels like deep water for you?
where you might need Jesus to do something that you can't, where you might actually have to call for help like they did. (laughs) Man, we avoid that, don't we? I don't want to ask anybody for help. How about leaving a life of self-sufficiency? Would you believe that he's walking you to the deep end of the pool because he wants to capture your heart? And he wants to set you free and he wants to release you not to a life, but to life. Like we sang, I am the way, the truth, and the life. A life of declaring the praises of him who's called you out of darkness into his glorious light. He is in your boat. And I'm warning you, I'm, 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 I'm admonishing you right now. Don't harden your hearts today if you're hearing his voice. Because that's not what these guys did. He says, because you say so, I'll let down the nets. And would you see this? I love it because they called him master and then they called him Lord. There was a shift in there. Would you see this not as your master, your taskmaster saying, go do it, just do it. That's not what we're talking about at all. He said, I'm your savior and I'm your Lord. And will you not see this as optional? I want to I heal you of your shame. I want to close the distance and I want to give you a deeper purpose. And will you go? It's my prayer for us that we would, that we would again and again and again. Let me pray. Lord, thank you. Oh, that you always do uh, in us and for us far more uh, than we could ever ask or imagine. Thank you uh, for how we see in our brother Peter uh, in particular how you want to heal him uh, of where he gets his sense of self. Um, And you were committed to that all the way to the end for Peter, Lord. Heal us, Lord. Take us into deep water. Uh, Get in our boat. Um, Shake up our day. And uh, Lord, waken our imaginations uh, to the life uh, that you have for us outside um, of the safety and the predictability of just another day cleaning the nets. Um, may May we be those and be a church and a body of people they get excited because of the quickening of your Holy Spirit and what grace and faith look like when they're on the move, which is willingness to be set free to go. Let's ask in your name. Amen.